This is Circulating Ideas. I'm Steve Thomas. My guest today is Danielle Baraski. She's the vice president of Novelist. Circulating Ideas is brought to you with support from MoMetrics and from listeners like you. With library budgets constantly shrinking, it's getting harder and harder to provide the resources your library patrons want and need. That's why the folks at MoMetrics Test Preparation created the MoMetrics eLibrary. Through their eLibrary portal, MoMetrics offers study guides and practice questions for over 1,800 different exams covering college entrance, graduate school, nursing, medical, teacher certification, civil service, I'm counting this on my fingers, I'm running out of fingers, and many other careers and fields of study. All fully customizable and at a fraction of the cost of printed books. It's like having an entire library of test prep materials all at your fingertips. So, save space, save paper, and save money with Mometrics eLibrary. To get a free demo and 10% off your first purchase, visit goelibrary.com and let them know you came from Circulating Ideas by using the promo code PODCAST. That's goelibrary.com, promo code PODCAST. Danielle, welcome to Circulating Ideas. Thanks, Steve. It's great to be here. So I wanted to get started um, going by going back and wondered how you got into libraries as a career in the first place. Sure. I actually think it's kind of a funny story. Um, So I took one of those career aptitude tests in school when I was younger, and the results came back and said that I would uh, be good at being a librarian and a business owner. Um, And at the time, I thought, oh, there's no way I want to be a librarian. Uh, It just didn't seem that interesting to me, and it wasn't because I didn't like libraries. I actually loved going to the library. Um, just didn't seem like the kind of job that I wanted to be doing. And then fast forward a few years, I actually had a couple jobs in libraries just uh, while I was in school. And then I was in graduate school, or getting ready to go into graduate school, I should say, um, thinking that I was going to get a degree in history um, and probably end up as a professor, um, but hadn't quite applied yet. So I was working on that. And I had just moved to North Carolina, was working at UNC Chapel Hill, and I decided to just take a couple classes um, that sounded interesting to me. And I found one in the library school that I signed up for and went to that first day of class. And the professor had us go around the room and talk about why we were there and what we were interested in. And I kind of had this aha moment um, when people were doing that because I realized that a lot of people in that room were talking about the things that I was also interested in. And it felt like I'd kind of found my people. And so I was pretty much hooked after that <laughs> and ended up applying to library school instead of history. So, Yeah, it's interesting sometimes like, even that people who love libraries don't necessarily know what librarians do enough to know if that's really what you want to do. (laughs) I think that's absolutely true. Um, You really don't have an idea of what the profession is all about when you just use the library, which is maybe an interesting, um, you know, dilemma for libraries today as they're sort of struggling to talk about their importance and value in the community. I think um, we have a need to explain to people in the community what we can bring, um, what skills we have, and the um, benefits that a library brings to a community. Right. 
Um, so right now you're um, you're at Novelist, but what what other libraries did you work at before you jumped over to Novelist? Sure. Um, I've actually worked in almost every kind of library environment. Um, I've worked in some public libraries, uh, both in New York and in North Carolina. I worked in an academic library, special library. Um, The only kind of library that I have not worked in is a school library. And what led you to want to jump over to work at Novelist? Sure. Yeah, that was... um, Really just about being in the right place at the right time, I think. Um, I had been working um, in libraries for years, and I was working at UNC Chapel Hill, actually. Had been there for about 10 or 15 years. And it was just a point in my career where I was looking for something different, looking for a new challenge, and I saw this job at Novelist advertised and decided to apply for it. Um, And from there, it was actually a pretty easy decision to join um, because when I went in for the interviews, I was really pulled in by all the enthusiasm that I heard from the the people who were interviewing me who worked here. I asked many of them a very similar question. I just said, what do you like about working here? And the answer wasn't exactly the same for each person, but it was a really similar theme of feeling passionate about what they were doing and really enjoying their work. And I just wanted to be part of a place like that. It sounded great. So what do you like about working at Novelist? That's a good question. Yeah, so it's probably along those same lines. I mean, feeling like your work matters is, um, it makes all the difference. It makes it easy to get up in the morning and go to work um, because you feel like what you're going to do that day is important um, and make people happy. I think that's the other part, too. We have some customers who are just so enthusiastic about what we offer, and knowing that 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 reaction is ever-present just is really satisfying. And can you talk a little bit about um, the different role? You, you've had a couple different roles at Novelist of what you've done there so far and where you are now. Sure. Um, yeah, so I, I started in marketing um, and then was promoted to director of sales and marketing. And my most recent role that I was promoted into this year is vice president of Novelist. Um, so we've it's been a year of transitions here Um for anybody who is familiar with Novelist, you probably know that um, we had co-founders who were here for more than 20 years, Duncan Smith and Roger Roweter. Um, so they started Novelist and led it for a really long time. And um, both of them have moved on to, to doing some other things in retirement. And um, so I am now leading Novelist. And so that it's been an interesting eight years that I've been here. Um, and I've gotten to see um, many different sides of the business. And it's an exciting time as well to give us an opportunity to kind of rethink what we're doing and, and try some new directions. And what is the what is the day to day life of the head of novelist? <laughs> what kind of thing? What kind of things are you doing that um, people would want to know about? Um, Well, we have sort of a running joke about the the meetings. Yes, it is um, many, many meetings. Um, Get to be interviewed on podcasts, which is fun. Um, I recently uh, attended a conference and got to do um, some speaking about reading and reader's advisory. Um, So it is a very varied um, role, and I would say it, it spans everything from um, thinking about where our products are going to go in the future to budgeting for um, what we're going to need to spend money on in terms of staff and other resources, uh, thinking about uh, the sort of customer-facing side of things and how we're going to talk about what we do and how we're going to get feedback from our customers. So there's just a lot of of different parts, which I actually love. That is um, the kind of job that I like to have is really one that that challenges me in lots of different areas. And this is is all of that wrapped up together. 
And I, I probably should have jumped to this earlier, but for those people, minor little minority who may not know what novelist is, can you just let the listeners know what novelist is? Oh, sure. Um, and that it's actually not a super simple answer, but I'll try to give one. Um, so, cause it's actually a whole product line. Right. So it started as a single product called novelist, um, which is a, a tool, a database that people can use to, um, find the books that are right for them. We have, uh, grown from that one idea into multiple products. And so now today novelist has, um, multiple interfaces for different age groups and, and combinations of books and readers. We have Catalog Enrichment, which is our Novelist Select line, and we have LibraryWare, which is about marketing and outreach for libraries, um, and Link Data as well, um, which is a way to sort of get libraries visible on the web. So the basic idea, though, is really to connect readers, books, and libraries. That sort of underlies everything that we do. Right. How, how is it different? Because I think a lot of people are not sure what the vendor side of things is. I mean, because we're all sort of working for the patron ultimately and connecting them with the right book, like you just said. But how is it different working for a vendor as opposed to working in a library? So the main difference for anybody who's ever worked in a library with the public is that there's there are no patrons, so there is no public. And that takes a little <laughs> while to adjust to, right. um, definitely. And But about half of our staff here, our librarians have worked in the library before, and the other half are fans of libraries. Um, and so one of the things that I enjoy, even though no longer being in that library environment, is that we have a lot of library love here. So um, we talk about libraries all the time. And so sometimes it doesn't feel all that different. And then other times I'm reminded that um, it is very much different. Um, but I do feel very lucky to be working in a, a vendor environment that's still tied to libraries and the success of libraries. Um, I love that what I do matters to libraries and that I am working on behalf of libraries. And about, I, I didn't prep you for this one, so you may not have an exact number, but how, about how many people do you have on your team? How many people work for Novelist? Yeah, no, we have between 50 and 60. Okay. And yeah, I know you have a lot of contributors and stuff as well that contribute yes. to things as well. But Right. Yeah, the 50 and 60 is our, our on-site staff, and then we have uh, a good number of external contributors. I don't have that number. Okay. A lot of the hot buzz about libraries is always getting into new things, 3D printing, makerspaces, blah, 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 which is all exciting in its own way. But um, we also want to keep that connection with books and reading. And why do you think that's important that we keep that and not just go into all these tech stuff and get away completely from books and reading <laughs> and how does novelist assist librarians with that connection sure so yeah i mean i agree with you libraries have a lot of cool things going on the whole makerspace thing i think is really creative um i love i'm a kind of geek about data so the whole open data um initiative that i've heard a lot about is is interesting to me um and having been a librarian for 20 years a lot has changed just in 20 years about the profession um, and all of that, I think, is valuable stuff. And I think it's exciting that libraries are part of it. But I really do believe that books will always be part of the core mission of what libraries do. Um, I think we need books in our lives. Um, we need stories to help us explore and learn and become better versions of ourselves. And I think libraries are the places where books and stories are valued in the community. Um, I actually just gave a talk when I was in Kansas City at the UNConference there about how libraries can um, become better advocates for reading. 
-hmm. And the main reason why I think we need to do that is because if libraries are about making their communities better, reading is a, a thing that can do that. Um, I read a story about Sonia Sotomayor, who's one of our Supreme Court justices, and she was talking about her childhood where she grew up poor and didn't think that she would ever have been able to imagine becoming a judge. But she said, you can't imagine possibilities that you don't even know of. She said that reading books, however, gave her a, a view into other things that might be possible in her life and that she was able to envision her life differently. So she felt that books really gave her that future. And so that's why I think that it's libraries have to keep books as a priority front and center because we need people to be able to envision better lives for themselves. Um, so I feel really really passionate about that. And so um, I think libraries will, will continue to, to hold that as their priority. And you asked a little bit about how novelist helps. Um, and I think we're all about matching readers with books, but the key to that is not just any books. Um, it really doesn't matter what I think is a good book or what I like to read. What really matters is if it's the right book for you. And novelist is all about um, finding ways for you to sift through all the books that are out there and find the ones that are a good match for you. Right. And, that, and that's that, that's that core of the reader's advisory thing that we're finding the right book for the right person. Novelist is a great right. tool to help librarians with that. Cause it is hard sometimes when you're somebody's coming up and asking, like you've never read a romance book in your life, but somebody's a big romance fan. How do you connect them to the right one when you don't have the knowledge in your head? So. Right. It's a little scary actually. <laughs> and people I think um, who aren't librarians tend to assume librarians have read all the books in the library um, <laughs> and that it's impossible so yes you often need something to kind of be your secret weapon and supplement your knowledge personal knowledge of books yeah and I think reading is kind of the core of that of that of that learning that you were talking about of that we need to keep learning but I actually do even like just the physical book itself I mean I read ebooks I read stuff online all the time too but it's just I just feel like it's such a good I don't know, technology in itself. It's just a good compact thing that goes well and you can mark pages and I don't, I don't know, just the, the physical object of itself is not, not just, you know, it's not just a, I'm an old librarian and I want to smell books and whatever. It's just, it's, it, it just works so well. Right. No, I agree with you. I am a, I'm a print book reader. Um, I've tried to love eBooks um, and they're great when traveling, but I really prefer exactly. to have the physical book in my hand. And you're right. It's a great technology that uh, stays around for a really long time. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll take my Kindle or just read on my phone or iPad or something when I'm traveling. Because, yeah, I, 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 I do very much appreciate not carrying an extra bag just to, with a, right. a pile of books <laughs> right. along. For, for, I do for my have bath. a nice big stack of books next to my bed, but I really can't take those with me when I'm traveling. So, <laughs> Right. Um, so, uh, like you said, a novelist helps make that connection. Um, what are some of the uh, more popular features of novelist uh, that you feel that either from your internal stats you can see people are using or just from the feedback you get from librarians or patrons? Like what, what's getting used on novelist a lot? Sure. Um, I'll start with, you know, kind of what people tell us they're excited about because we do get lots of feedback from from librarians. Um, and I think that one of the things we hear a lot is that our book lists are very popular. We have more than 3000 of them in Novelist uh, that our staff put together. I think people like them because they're they're quick and easy. You can just print it out and and we keep them up to date so you don't have to do any any work. Um, and one of the most popular series in those that we have is called our For Fans Of lists. And these are 
recommendations that are based on popular culture. So if you're like me and you're a fan of the TV show This Is Us, um, we have a list of books that you might like to read that are similar to that show. Um, so we're just paying attention to all the things that people are, are enjoying in pop culture, whether it's TV shows, movies, music, that kind of thing, and we will recommend books that are related to those things. Um, so we've gotten some really great feedback on, on that kind of thing, um, extending the idea of reading into other, other things that people enjoy. Um, and in terms of data, that's a great question for me because I love data. Um, <laughs> and my favorite thing is actually when uh, data manages to surprise us a little bit and maybe challenge our assumptions. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we were having this one conversation here about a feature and a lot of us assumed that it just wasn't that important a feature. We just didn't think that, that people used it a lot. And then we put it at the bottom of the page. Um, and then we, we did this in the wrong order. Then we looked at the data, um, and it was actually a heavily used feature up near the top. Um, hmm. And that was even after we had moved it to the bottom of the page. It continued to be um, very heavily used. So we're now actually starting to be a lot better about looking at data ahead of time before those decisions. And I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to push us in that direction of, of gathering even more data about what people are doing. I, I recently attended a webinar about a new feature that you guys got as about themes. Um, can you talk about yeah. what those are and how they can help librarians with their readers advisory sessions? Yeah, themes are awesome. Yes. Um, yeah, we've gotten some really great uh, comments and feedback from librarians about them. So themes are basically short phrases that describe what's, what a book is about. Um, we think of them as the hook that pulls you into the story. So some examples, because I think it's always easier to understand them with examples, are yes. things like uh, robots with emotions, or love in a small town, uh, or one of my favorites is books about books. Um, so all of those are themes, and you can see how they might pull together books from different genres or, or uh, different kinds of books pulled together under a similar theme. Um, and the thing that I really like about them is that they they use that kind of informal, natural language that most readers would use when they're describing books to their friends. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for librarians, that's exciting because it gives them a way to talk to readers about books that feels really natural and that readers can immediately understand with no explanation needed. Um, so if somebody's telling you about a book that they liked, um, you can reply and say, oh, yeah, okay, so I can find you other books that are like that. Um, and so using themes really helps you pinpoint the books that share the common thread that that reader enjoys. And I, I am a fan of the fact that they, they cross genres and help people explore books in ways that they didn't expect. So I think a lot of times people get um, not stuck, but they know they like a certain genre. They read that genre. They like mysteries. They read that. Um, but themes and some of our other story elements that we have in novelists can really help you um, explore other kinds of books that you had no idea that you liked. Yeah, and I like where you can kind of mix and match things to build something. So you can say that you want humorous stories about robots with emotions and things like that, too. So, right. Yeah, yeah the combination of the, the story elements is really powerful. I wanted to come back to something that you had mentioned earlier about the different age group um, that you've got. Because do you, do you find that that's been a more helpful thing to have that K through 8 package you've got and then the, just the whole complete package? Um, is that, has, that, has that been helpful, like, I guess, getting to the school market and things like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it has. Um, 
we have four four flavors of novelists. We have uh, two that are for all ages and two that are for K through eight. Um, and so some of them have fiction, some have fiction and nonfiction, some have audiobooks. Um, so you can. What I think that what I think is good about that is that people can choose the flavor of novelist that is right for their audience and their library community. Um, and yes, I think narrowing it down to the K through eight audience is really good because. Um, Younger readers, I think, have different needs. And so sort of focusing in on the books that they really like um, is helpful in a school environment. It's helpful in the children's room. It's a public library. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, – and actually, I have a funny story about that. So my son just started at this new school. And um, so I don't actually know a lot of people there, but I was at, like, the parent night. And um, the teacher was talking about the fact that they were going to have this big reading initiative. And she said, and our new librarian is going to um, – show the kids how to use this tool so they can find books that they like to read. And she was going on about it. And I was like, I wonder what they're using. And then they said it was novelist. And I was so happy. Um, but I think that that's a, a good example of for a school, like right. using it um, to help an individual student find the books that they are going to be excited to read is a great example of why you'd want that kind of um, youth focus. And do a lot of the features like themes and stuff like that go across both packages? I mean, is that available in K through eight mm -hmm. as well? Yep. Yeah, those story elements uh, are available in all of the flavors. And and you said there were sort of two different ones. Can you talk about the differences between the two different K through eight and the two two different all ages? Oh sure. Yeah. So there's a plus and regular. So uh, the plus versions have fiction and nonfiction, and the regular versions have fiction only. Uh, and then in novelist plus, which is the all ages version, has fiction, nonfiction, and audiobooks. Um, so we actually have a chart that shows people, depending on what you're looking for, this is the product that you want to choose because it'll have all of these titles in it. So Novelist is um, really good at integrating with different ILSs and discovery layers and all kinds of things like that with uh, Novelist Select. Can you talk a little bit about Novelist Select and why that sort of integration is important to you all? Sure. Um, yeah, so Novelist Select started as a, an ILS integration, and we actually integrate with most of the, the ILS systems that are out there. So, um, Cersei Dynamics, III, all those. And um, it's important, I think, because it's a catalog is the, the number one place that most patrons um, are using to interact with the library. Um, so, we want to be where people are when they're using the library. Um, and I think that, you know, having novelist recommendations in the catalog uh, means that you don't go away empty-handed. You find, um, even if the book you're looking for is checked out, there are more ideas there for you, or the next time you're coming back to the library, here's a, a list of books that you're going to want to look at next time you're here. Um, so it's really inspiring people with some new ideas for what to read and making sure that, that the library uh, is the place that they come to for discovering some new books. Um, and we've then taken the idea of putting that in the catalog and expanded that to some other channels as well uh, just recently. So we are putting novelist recommendations in self-check kiosks, uh, in mobile apps, in digital signage. Um, and I think, you know, we just want to be everywhere that readers are when they're using the library. And so um, that's our, our goal is to try to be in all of those places where, where we can be useful. It's it's great because it's such a nice thing, especially I know with like the self checkout things, you can list like other books like that on the receipts mm -hmm. and stuff too, and that's really that's pretty cool. Yes, yeah, um, I've heard somebody describe those receipts as the best bookmark ever. So you, know, you print out your receipt <laughs> and it's your bookmark for that book, and if it has some ideas for what to read next, even better. So. 
Yeah, it's great the kind of stuff you can do now with just, I mean, with, with that kind of thing, which you can also put, you saved this much amount of money by using your public library on your receipt. And so much, so many great things we can do now with integrating things into the catalogs. And we're very happy to have companies yeah. like Novelist that want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some of those, the you saved this much money. I think that's a great reminder for people of the value of the library. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about Library Aware as well? I, mean, I know that's your, uh, you get, I, I get the newsletter for that. I know there's, there's more to it than just the newsletter, but... Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we know about libraries um, is that most people in a community are really not very aware of what their library has to offer. And I think in some of the research that we've looked at, I mean, it's as low as 20% of people feel like they have a good understanding of everything that the library offers. Um, so we know that, that libraries need some help with that and need to get better at telling people what they can do for them. Um, so a few years ago, we created a product called LibraryWare, which is basically a, a way for libraries to share what they're, they have going on and what they can do for the people in their community. And so we have built this tool to include lots of ready-to-go templates um, with libraries in mind. So you can find templates for flyers and bookmarks and e-newsletters that are all ready to post in your library or send to your patrons. Um, and all of it with the goal of getting people to come and use the library. Um, so we are that's a, an area of focus for us right now. We're continuing to build up LibraryWare so that it can be the best tool for libraries to communicate their value um, because we want to make sure that libraries remain essential to their communities. Um, and so that's, you know, part of why we want to do that. And, and we've definitely seen that it's working. We have customers who have had dramatic increases in usage of the resources that they've promoted using LibraryWare. So it's exciting. So um, is there anything else coming up for the future of Novelist, like specific features or just kind of generally that you'd want to um, share? <laughs> Sure. Uh, well, so we do, we're working on a couple really exciting projects right now that I probably can't share too much about uh, just yet. But the one thing that I'll say about them is that they are the result of some really fantastic um, cross-team sprints that we did um, and just the process of going through that brainstorming together and giving ourselves the freedom to explore some new ideas was really energizing. Um, and I think we have fantastic team here. I get lots of personal satisfaction from all their enthusiasm. Um, so I think I feel really confident that we have some some exciting things coming. Um, and I guess the other thing I want to say is since we talked a little bit before about the, the changes that Novelist went through this year and we had a change in leadership, it's really a great opportunity for us. Um, and so we are taking that opportunity to ask some new, some questions, rethink what we do, and also take the time to listen um, to our customers and to librarians. Um, and we shouldn't ever get too comfortable thinking that we know exactly where we're going because libraries are embracing a lot of change right now. And I want us to be right there with them embracing change and um, looking to the future. So um, I don't know that we have all the answers, but we are, are going to really work hard at, at figuring out where libraries are going and then try to get them there. Yeah, well, I think things like Novelist Select will certainly help. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. There, so. Yep. so um this uh, episode is going to come out at the end of the year. Um, so we got a little bit of time left for the month, but what's been your favorite book that you've read this year? 
Sure. Doesn't have doesn't have to come out this year. Just that you read. Okay, this year. good. Yeah, because I was going to say I have a favorite, but I think it's a little old. I'm usually a little behind on my reading. Um, so my favorite one that I read this year was Homegoing uh, by I'll probably mispronounce the name, but Yagiasi, I think it is. Um, but it was just a really uh, fabulous story that spans generations of a family, and it had this it was written in this beautiful language, and it it's one of those books that's just stayed with me. Well, that sounds like a great book, and I'm sure you could find it in Novelist to find out more about it. <laughs> yes, I, I'm pretty sure you can. It's got some great read-alikes, too. That's one of the, actually, the dangers of working here is lots of books on my to-read list. But when you finish reading a book, that's the best thing in Novelist is you loved this book, and you want to know what you can read next, and you can go in and, and look at uh, some of the story elements about that book and then find something that uh, is kind of similar to it that hopefully you will love as well. So, Right, you can kind of do some self-readers advisories. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, actually, yeah, that's an interesting point because that is one of the things that I've been encouraging people to do because um, I did this and it was a little eye-opening. I looked up a couple books that I've really liked and to see what they had in common and there were some threads of things that they shared hmm. which kind of was, you know, instructive for me, like, oh, hey, you like to read character-driven books. Um, and it gives you a new way to then understand your own reading style and what books you're going to um, want to look for in the future. So, yeah, I encourage people to do that kind of research. Yeah, that's that, that's interesting because I, I, did, I did a thing with my staff earlier where I made a list of all the genres we have in the branch and told people to list one book that they've read from every genre on that list. And Oh, awesome. And they, so they got to see the kind of their gaps of, oh, well, I've never read this before, I've never read this before, and... But then they yeah. could hear that everybody shared, so they kind of got to hear about what other people like about things. So. That's really great. It's I think it's fun to sort of also see where the expertise is on your team and, and who's right. really good at, at one versus another. So yeah, it's a great I, exercise. Yeah, I found when I've done um, book clubs and stuff in the past that the mm-hmm. – I can't remember what the section is called, but where you have – where you can learn about learn about a genre <laughs> – on novelist there's like a section that tells you about this is what mm-hmm. mysteries yeah. are and it's broken down really far because i got to like police procedurals or something even there's like an explanation of what that was <laughs> and some specific titles so that that was really helpful to just even if i know in my head kind of what it is but just something to help talk with a group about and give some ideas so yeah we didn't really get into any of that but we do have a lot of materials in novelists for people to teach themselves about books and genres and what does this kind of genre mean what do people like to read when or what do they read when they like mysteries that kind of thing and you're right you can go pretty deep into some of the subgenres. so um, it's a really really valuable tool i think for teaching yourself about what's out there all right. Well, um, thank you, Danielle, so much for talking to me for the show. It was very interesting to learn about um, what goes on inside of just a vendor, but then even, I mean, one of the bigger ones, especially for public libraries. I know you work with other types of libraries as well, but I'm assuming the vast majority of your market is public libraries. But Yes, that's true. Yeah. So thank you for coming and talking and letting the listeners know all about your work. Um, if they wanted to follow up with you to ask any questions, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, I would be happy for folks to email me questions or comments. Uh, you can reach me at dbaraski at ebsco.com. All right. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. Thanks, Steve. Circulating Ideas is produced by Steve Thomas in the suburbs of Atlanta. Views expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of my place or work or the place of work of guests. 
For past interviews, visit circulatingideas.com and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or your podcast app of choice. And help others find the show by leaving a rating or a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at Cirque Ideas or like the show's Facebook page. Music is by Pamela Klicka. Thanks for listening and keep circulating your ideas. Thanks again to Mometrics Test Preparation for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. To get 10% off your first purchase and a free demo, visit goelibrary.com and use that promo code podcast. That's goelibrary.com, promo code podcast.